0: your shelf together with E. Shaver Booksellers.
1: Hello, I'm Jessica, a lifelong lover of books, wide-ranging reader, fan of obscure British literature, all things Douglas Adams, long sentences, music biographies, the Oxford comma, always up for travel, except during COVID, and of course, Jane Austen.
0: And I'm Melissa, an eclectic bibliophile and all-around nerd who also loves Jane Austen, comics, and cooking. Together, we run an independent bookstore in Savannah, Georgia. Each episode, we discuss the books we've been reading and recommend. Hello. Well, hello there. (laughs) We're
1: back. Yep. And in a timely manner, as promised. On the day that was written on our
0: calendar. So, you know, wonders never cease in this world. (laughs) Um, Um, Well, since last we spoke to you, we... Went to a big book selling conference in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, the book festival happened. We it's been a busy little time for us. I had COVID. <laughs> Melissa had
1: COVID. Um, I tried to kill myself eating Girl Scout cookies. Apparently, um, so, so yeah, things yeah. things have happened. Things have happened. But we're we're here. We're in one piece, and we're ready to talk about a few books that um, we've read over the last month. Yes, yes. Well, Melissa. Why don't we jump in there? What, okay. if, what, what do you want to talk about?
0: Um, well, so the first thing I was going to talk about is the thing that I, the, the thing, the book that I said I was reading for last month's reading challenge, which mm-hmm. was a book that um, was nominated or won an award in 2023. Um, and so I read Nettle and Bone by T. T Kingfisher, mm-hmm. which uh, won the Hugo Award last year, but um, so i just I loved everything about this book like so so much. <laughs> um, it is basically a fractured fairy tale um, where the princess isn't waiting for a prince to save her; she's trying to save her sister from a prince. Um, so I like it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, the main character is named Mara, and she is the third-born sister of this royal family from this really tiny little kingdom. Um, and her oldest sister is married to a prince from a more powerful kingdom with the idea of them protecting this little kingdom from mm-hmm. um, another kingdom that's on the other side of them. So they they are like a, a port mm-hmm. kingdom, and so they're... They're, they're small but important and mm-hmm. um, kind of facing a lot of um, animosity. So um, her oldest sister is married off to him in a political move mm-hmm. and dies not long after.
1: Well, that seems suspicious, Melissa.
0: Yes. Um, and so the second sister is now married to the same prince. Oh, Well, that just seems like a bad idea. Yeah, and so Mara goes to live in a convent, and she's kind of being raised by nuns um, while her sister is married to this prince. And she goes to visit when um, her sister's first child is born, and, of course, there's the godmother that bestows the the gift on the child. Well, this sounds familiar. Yeah, Um, and then... um, The child passes away, and then her sister just keeps getting pregnant but never having the babies. Like, she's miscarrying, and so Mara begins to suspect that the prince is hurting her sister Mm -hmm. and wants to get her sister out of the situation. Um, So she meets a, she's called a dust woman Mm -hmm. or a dust wife, um, and she's a witch, and she send, sets Mara these three tasks to do, and if she completes these three impossible tasks, then the witch will help her with the things that she needs to get her sister away from the prince.
1: Interesting. So a little bit of almost Sleeping Beauty, a little bit of Hercules, a yeah. little bit of...
0: Yeah, and it's um, it's fun because it ends up being sort of a buddy adventure mm-hmm. story, a la Princess Bride, but without the misogyny. Um, <laughs> and um, there's a goofy bone dog who is like my favorite character in the whole thing. Oh, now, what is a bone dog? He's a dog made of bones. Well, most dogs are well, actually he's made... he's only bones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That
1: makes him harder to pet.
0: It's true, um, but he has a lot of personality. Okay. Even, even without skin. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Hairless cat adjacent, e- yes, <laughs> but doesn't look like a foot. <laughs> yes, um, so yeah, it's just a lot of fun, and it's I mean obviously subversive, feminist, um, but without being like punch you in the face. Um, uh-huh. It's just yeah, I so I it has in, a message, but it's couched in a velvet glove, indeed. And I went into it thinking, you know, this will be this will be fun, um, and I really really enjoyed it, like. Really. nice like, and what is this for an adult audience or is this for a younger audience um i would say it's it's an adult book but i would say that there could be ya crossover there's nothing in it that's inappropriate so okay. i i would say um teenagers could read it without a problem
1: very good yeah so yeah. nettle and bone by t kingfisher nice well i will talk about what i read for the challenge which is prophet song by paul lynch um it was not lighthearted um it <laughs> was the opposite of lighthearted
0: well jessica and i actually met paul at the conference we yes. were at and he is oh so irish Oh so irish and very brooding and mm-hmm. very um very in the know that his book will destroy you and break you into a million pieces yes <laughs> so
1: um we had had an awkward elevator ride with him or I had Melissa had another awkward elevator. So he was in the elevator a lot. Apparently. It's true.
0: He was going <laughs> up and down.
1: <laughs> and, um, we were all booksellers pretending that we didn't notice that the Booker prize famous author was in the elevator with us. And we were all trying to be cool and, um, failing sort of miserably, not making awkward eye contact. And so finally at the end of the ride, I said, um, hi, I, you know, I'm sorry. I recognize you. It's probably obvious. And, um, I really enjoyed your book. I just finished reading it about an hour ago, and he said, "Oh God, love you." <laughs> yeah, he said, "Yeah, you have you don't have quite the five mile stare, but you have a little bit of the broken look." Yeah, <laughs> so um, so it's a beautiful book. It's um, it, it weighs in at a mere oh gosh, I'm looking uh, right around three hundred pages, um, and it's set in the near future. Um, it's in Ireland, and when you start the book, it seems like it could be in Ireland during the Troubles or any other time in Ireland. Like, it's, it's, it's a tense time. You come in on this family, um, Eilish is the mother, the wife, and the main character in the book, and she answers the door and the garter are there, the police, and they're asking for her husband. Um, she's got her baby, she's got a teenage son who's older, a daughter who's in high school, and then a sort of junior high school aged son, and then this new baby. And, um, and she said, well, he isn't here, he's still at work, you know, what do you need to talk to him about? Is it important? And they won't really give her any answers. Um, they just ask her a few more questions and leave a card with a phone number and say it's imperative that he call us immediately when he gets home. So he comes home, and you learn that he's uh, he's a teacher, but he's also the president of the teachers' union, and um, they're setting up for a strike. And you also learn that they have just elected an authoritarian um, government, and everyone sort of feels like, well, you know, we have the rule of law here. Everything will be fine. I mean, this is not the way normal things are, but... Everything's like we can live through this because we have the courts and the law and yeah,
0: I feel like that probably is not going to go well.
1: Well, it 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 poses all these really
0: interesting questions. So,
1: the story goes from there. Ultimately, people start disappearing, um, and the book is written in an interesting way. There are no paragraph breaks, so there are chapter breaks, but not paragraph breaks.
0: It's kind of like. Exit West mm-hmm. is very similar. There's, it's almost kind of written, like, it's not in verse, but the way it's yeah. written it almost kind of makes it feel like it is.
1: Well, and it gives it this weird sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like, you start feeling anxious for mm-hmm. these people because you're looking from the outside, and it's easy to look from the outside and be like, okay, it's time to go now. Mm-hmm. Okay, things are starting to go really wrong. Okay, your husband... You don't know where he is. Your son is of military age. Yeah, Things are getting really weird. Um,
0: yeah, but it's, I mean, in lots of cases, it's almost impossible to leave just well, because of the way the world is.
1: And that's kind of the point. He's t- So in talking about the book, and, and there are many interviews with him, he talks about how Syria was initially the country he had in mind when he was writing mm-hmm. this, but so much has gone on in the world since he started writing it that it's eerily prescient now so yeah it just continues with the story of the things that keep happening to them she has a she's taking care of her father Simon Simon has dementia but he's still fairly cognizant of what's going on around him Um, she wants to keep him in his house so she feels like she has to stay she has a sister who lives in Canada who keeps offering for them to come over and she has a way out but she just doesn't believe that things are going to go that wrong until they really start going that wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I, I won't say any more about it because you really need to read it yourself to feel the tension and everything. But ultimately, it does come down to that question of, by the time you decide to leave it's too late to leave yeah and you have nowhere to go and even though you are high up in your country and a valuable part of your society you have no value to all these other countries they don't want you well You're, because
0: they have their own, so, o- own own population that they have to take care of and yeah it's a uh, it yeah it's an
1: interesting interesting question and i think he does a very good job of really putting you in that place and time and making you feel the desperation and the urgency and just the sense of unbelief, like, how is this happening to me? And then the, just putting your head down and trying to figure out a way out. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend, but I will tell you that you're going to need a minute to recover from it. (laughs) Um, but I think it is an important book to read. Um, And I think it is one of those books that really gives us the empathy that we need to understand other people's situations in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So,
0: Prophet Song by Paul Lynch. Okay, so... My next book is nothing like that. <laughs> um, so I know I keep saying that I don't pick up mysteries very often, but, like, two of the books I'm talking about are mysteries, so you're not going to believe a word I say because um, like I sound I like a liar. I think Melissa
1: and I have a secret love of mysteries. It's true. Yeah.
0: Um, so this one I picked up because I had seen several different reviews of it where it was saying like the twist in this book will blow your mind. This is the best twist that I have read in a really long time. So I was like, okay, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm interested. Okay. Um, so the book is Anna O by Matthew Blake. Oh yes. This one's on my
1: TBR pile as well.
0: Um, so it is the story of Anna Ogilvie. Um, she was a writer, at like 25 years old, is charged with brutally stabbing to death mm-hmm. two people. Um, and she hasn't woken up since the crime was committed. So she's not in a coma. She is asleep. And it's an actual, real psychological condition called resignation syndrome Mm -hmm. Um, and it's I I went on a deep dive into it and they talk about it more in the book Um, but it's basically seen a lot of times in um, refugee children or um, like kids who have faced trauma and it's basically when the you lose kind of all hope and Mm -hmm. your your body just goes to sleep and keeps you asleep and Mm -hmm. and. Again, it's not a coma because there's a difference in brain activity.
1: Hibernation?
0: Almost. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. Um, anyway, so the statute of limitations is coming up in her case. It's been several years that she's mm-hmm. asleep. And um, the government is basically wanting to get her awake so they can try her for this crime. Mm-hmm. And they transfer her to this... Um, sleep facility in London and there's a doctor working there and his name is Dr. Prince and he is a forensic psychologist and he's also an expert in sleep disorders. Um, So he is trying to wake her up with the idea of her standing trial. But as he's working with her, he begins to doubt that she's actually committed these crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's... So what makes him doubt that? Um, I guess basically she has a family history. Like she has a history of sleepwalking mm -hmm. and doing, um, doing some weird things while she's been sleepwalking. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was like, it was the. Where she was found after the crime had been committed, and sort of mm-hmm. like just little things about it didn't add up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, his wife was the police officer who was the first one on the scene uh, when mm. that happened.
1: And are he and his wife still married?
0: They are divorced, but they have a good relationship, like they have a child, and okay. so it's it's and so are they communicating about what he's doing? Um, she, yes, because she is the um, police liaison on the case. Okay. Um, so like there's the, um, uh, ministry of justice, I think is mm-hmm. the, like the government organization that decided to move her. And then because she was the detective involved in the case, she's the police liaison. So she know. so she's been moved there secretly, but she knows that she's there and she knows that he's working with her. Okay. Um, anyway, so it goes back and forth um, so it's Dr. Prince in the present um, talking about the treatment that he's doing and sort of mm-hmm. the progress that he's making with her. And then um, it goes to the past and it's um, Anna kind of telling her story in a journal about um, the, the two people that were killed were mm-hmm. actually business partners of hers. They worked okay. on a magazine together um, and sort of, how they get there. And I will say there is a twist in Mm -hmm. it. Well,
1: it's got to have a twist.
0: I didn't find it mind blowing. Mm -hmm. I actually figured it out and I figured it out fairly early. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting mystery. Um, I've never read anything like it where the person is supposedly committing crimes, while sleepwalking Mm -hmm. and the that sort of element of it was interesting in sort of um the uh, legality of of whether or not are you
1: yeah Yeah. are you culpable Culpable for for
0: what you do when you're asleep Mm -hmm. because are you technically conscious conscious of what you're doing and there's um there actually are laws about that yeah there are and Mm -hmm. it's basically a plea of insanity essentially so it's like um this is in the uk but the cases that they talked about in the book and i don't know if these are actual cases or not Mm -hmm. but we're saying that like the people who have gotten off using that defense that they were sleepwalking are then committed to a psychiatric facility instead of prison okay yeah so you know um (laughs) I don't know if that's any better no but yeah. no i that, that's the trade-off is mm-hmm. it better or worse but yeah so um it's it's an interesting mystery um when does it come out because it it's out now, now. yeah mm-hmm. um it came out i think in january but yeah it's out now so um anna o by matthew blake
1: excellent um so something completely different <laughs> a book that i actually read quite a while ago but um In our first attempt to get back at podcasting, when we were a little rusty, I did this book and um, did a terrible job of it. So I'm going to give it another shot.
0: Yeah, we just scrapped that whole episode because we both did a terrible job at basically everything. (laughs) Yeah, so we,
1: you know, you got to practice. And um, so this is by one of my favorite authors, Lauren Groff. And the reason I thought about doing it is because we actually were able to meet her at the um, Winter at Winter Institute. Because she is now a bookshop owner. Indeed, she
0: has a bookshop that's opening um, this spring in Gainesville, Florida, called The Links. Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was very exciting to meet her as a fellow bookseller. Um, she's just just a delightful human being, like just very yeah. She really down was
0: super nice.
1: <laughs> super nice. Um, put up with all of us fangirling just a little bit. Um, And anyway, so I'm going to talk about this book. It is a different book. It's really good, but um, you can read it on a lot of different levels. So it's not a straightforward narrative, but I'm going to kind of lay out the story in a more straightforward narrative so that um, it's more comprehensible. But it, um, so it starts out, the main character is Lamentations. That's her name. She, um... Most of the story is told through flashbacks in her memory. Um, When we meet her, she's just escaped from Jamestown, which is riddled with disease. It's not going well for the colony at all in any way. They're having a rough time. They're having a really (laughs) rough time. They are starving to death. They have disease. People are behaving very, very, very badly. Um, She just wants to get away from it. You know that she's done something that's making her run away from it because she um, she's being pursued by somebody. So over the course of this pursual and her survival, the story unfolds that she was born in a poor house. Um, her mother gave her up. Her mother was probably a sex worker, as we would say now, but um, in England in the 1600s, and um, she was ultimately adopted or bought by uh, a woman she calls the mistress who just couldn't you know took pity on her and couldn't believe this girl was left in these conditions so for a while she has a much better life with the mistress and she kind of goes back in her memories to that she's treated kind of as a pet she's fed she's dressed she's cleaned and almost like a daughter until she starts to get older and then she's treated more like a servant um she, I mean, the house is the best that she's done thus far in her life, but it's still far from ideal. It's, it's you know, it could change at any moment. Her place in the house is precarious. Um, the mistress gives birth to a child, Bess. Um, the child is not... All there, Um, you understand that something is wrong with the child. They never make it completely clear what it is, but the child is is really not able to care for themselves. So lamentations ends up basically taking care of this child. That's her sole job, and she loves this child, and she dotes on the child, and has a good relationship with the child, and so therefore is a valuable member of the family in that respect. Um, So the mistress is widowed. She remarries, um, and she remarries a prominent minister who is uh, very full of himself and a second son and decides to make his fortune that they need to go to the Americas. Mm -hmm. And so because Bess, the baby that Lamentations is taking care of, is going to, she's therefore forced to go to America even though that would not have been her normal path. So she's taken to Jamestown, where things go very badly, um, and ultimately she escapes out into the wild. Her whole ideal is that she's going to end up finding a French settlement, because she has no idea about the vastness mm. of the country. Well, why would she? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> she is just trying to go north as best as she can, with very little resources, and survive to find a French Outpost where she can maybe meet someone, get a job, have a life, and escape everything that's gone on before. Um, So, as she's going through the wilderness, a lot of things start to happen. One, she starts to go into her memories and relive her past, which is how we find out about all these things. And the second part is she begins to understand that everything that she's sort of learned in the world that she lives in. It's just not really true about God, about nature, about, you know, the Native Americans who live there. Um, So you kind of think that it's going to end up being this story where she is adopted by Native Americans and she ends up having a Native husband and living this beautiful, natural life. That's not where it goes. (laughs) And then you think, well, maybe she will make it to the French. And then you realize that there's no way she's going to make it there. She's in North Carolina. She's trying to get to Canada. That's really not going to pan out for her on foot. Ultimately, she gets weaker and sicker throughout the book. And um, it really just becomes sort of a philosophical study about God and nature and what it means to be alive and our instinct to survive. And so, you know, it's, it's just about our life and death on this planet and what we make of it. Mm. Spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> um, um, I, I went into it thinking that it was going to be one thing you know sort of this story about overcoming the odds and living this new life and it, it was that but not in the way that I thought it was okay. so I would highly recommend it um, again it's, it's, it's not a quick or happy read <laughs> um, but it is well worth your time
0: um, Lauren Groff's The Vaster Wilds okay So the next one that I'm going to talk about is, again, a mystery. Um, (laughs) So this one is called King Nix by uh, Kirsten Backus. I really want to read this. Yeah. um, So I had seen, um, like, it's put out by Norton, W.W. Norton. And Norton does this... like they call it their repathon thing where they have all of their sales reps talk about books that are coming up and this was one of the ones that they talked about on there and I was like well this sounds really good and it has an amazing cover mm-hmm. um so it's a really atmospheric literary mystery it's not like a kind of who done it popular like thriller kind of thing um so it is told as a flashback um, and it all happens over a week in um, 1918 and the main characters are actual people. Um, It's kind of a reimagining of Mm -hmm. their life. Um, So it's Anna Fort and her husband Charles Fort and he was a well-known anomalist which he wrote about all (laughs) these sort of weird things like the sky just raining blood and, mm-hmm. or, like, a, a rain of frogs or, like, all of these kind of weird phenomena um, that he absolutely believed happened. Um, so is he... Are, are they
1: sort of current events that were happening around the world or were they things in the past that he was writing about?
0: There are things in the past that he was writing about. Um, he did a bunch of research in scientific journals about like these things happening and so he's, um, he's very uh, obsessed with this and he's in the process of writing a book and um, they're not well off. He comes from a really prominent family but she was the maid mm-hmm. and he oh. ended up marrying the maid. And so they've left his family and, um, I would guess his family was not delighted about that. No. Um, so he gets invited to work on his book on the island, on this private Island by this mm-hmm. eccentric millionaire who is like a canned food magnet. Um, and he's, and it's, in like the Hudson Valley in <laughs> New York and it's out in the middle of nowhere and this guy is just kind of a known recluse and just sort of weird um, but they get invited to go there, live there for free and mm-hmm. he can write on write this book and it comes at a great time for them because they're short on money, they can afford to keep their apartment because they're not going to have any mm-hmm. expenses so, the, so they go and they do this And as they're waiting for the boat to take them to the island, these three women approach uh, the couple and ask them to sign this petition. And basically the petition is to get the police to look into the disappearance of these girls. Okay. So also on this island where the millionaire lives, he has a school basically to train girls to work as um, household servants. Okay, and so three of the girls from the school have gone missing, and no one knows where they've gone. Okay, and the police are not looking into it because he's obviously a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And back you know, when a millionaire was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so they they're trying to get the police to look into this, and so Charles and Anna get to the island. And they're met by a guy in a gas mask and a car who puts them in quarantine because they're they want to make sure no germs are getting onto the island. So Okay, that's a little weird. Yeah. So they have to go in quarantine and they're living in this like weird little cabin, and they have neighbors, which are another couple, and um the husband of that couple is a um, psychologist who deals in like dreams, hmm. and so he's been invited to come to the island as well. Okay, so this is all a little weird. I can I can see this as a movie though. Yeah, already. Like, yes, I'm, I mean, I, like it is. Very I'm already visual. Picturing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm already
1: picturing it in my mind. Um, so
0: Anna sees. A girl in the woods Mm -hmm. and when the girl turns around she recognizes her as a girl that she was a maid with and who has gone missing from and she's like there's no possible way that could be because that girl was like 15 at the time Mm -hmm. she'd be in her 30s at this point like that that can't be so she goes down this rabbit hole and is trying to figure out who this girl is that she's seen on the island. Mm -hmm. There's armed guards that won't let them go to certain places. So it's basically, it's very psychological. Mm -hmm. Anna is a little bit of an unreliable narrator because she's suffered from hysteria in the past. You don't know if she's having episodes. Um, It was not what I thought it was going to be going into Mm -hmm. it, but I very much enjoyed this book. Um, It it had an ending that I didn't expect.
1: Okay. So, well, I am looking forward to it. Maybe we need to get it on next year's, um, mystery yeah. book club list. It's, um, it's very good. Cause it, it sounds amazing and it does have <laughs> an amazing cover. Um, well, I'm going to jump into something from Norton that I read. Um, also because we were going to Winter Institute and, um, It's called This Strange Eventful History, and it's by Claire Massoud. It's a novel. Um, It comes out in May, so this one is not out yet. And um, Melissa kind of heard me go through the reading of this, um, and I found it to be... it, It did not move quickly. It's a very literary, sort of fictionalized memoir, and I would describe it more like somebody telling you about their family history as opposed to like a straightforward memoir so it's very conversational almost in tone um it starts out it goes over seven decades so it starts out in 1940 um at the outbreak of world war ii um the main the head of the family the caesars um is a captain in the French Navy. They've been stationed in Greece, and they're right at the point where um, he has sent the family back to Algeria, where they're from. He's remained in Greece but knows that things are going to go badly and he's going to have to figure something else out. Um, And and the book goes from there. Um, It's told from different viewpoints of the father... um, the children, the grandchildren, and um, each of them brings sort of a, a different light into the family history. Um, I found it really interesting. First of all, I didn't know a lot about the history of Algeria, and I still am not an expert, but I know more than I did. And it, um, I guess, that the theme of the book is really losing your homeland um, and what it's like to. You know, have a real place in the world and a sense of purpose after working so hard, and then once again, all of that world that you thought you knew being taken away from you, and how your family goes out and survives in the world. Ultimately, they go from Greece to Algeria. Um, the family is separated. They come back together, but everything is different. Um, they live in Algeria for a time, and then Algeria has a civil war and they declare independence and suddenly the family is sort of not welcome anywhere France doesn't really want them because they don't want the Algerian refugees and it's hard for them to immigrate to anywhere else in the world um, so the family kind of fractures the parents end up living in Buenos Aires and um, the father has several different jobs, none of them kind of what he was used to, but enough to support them. They're not very well off, but they're well enough off. Um, they have one, they have a son and a daughter, Francois and his sister, Denise. And Denise is interesting because although she goes to college and is very well educated from a woman, for a woman of the time, she ultimately never marries and ends up staying at home with her, her parents. Um so the story is told from her point of view from time to time, and, um, and it goes off on that tangent. Um, she is very religious. Um, she, when she's in Buenos Aires, she's having a nice life, and she is working at a bookstore, and then her boss suggests to her that maybe her female friendships are more than she thinks they are and that she might explore that aspect of her life. She's horrified and upset. She's very prudish, and she does not explore that part of her life and goes on to remain with her parents throughout her lifetime. Um, her brother, Francois, ends up marrying a Canadian girl, Barbara, um, and they ultimately have two children, um, two daughters, and so it tells the story of their lives and then their daughters' lives as well. Um, they end up living all over the world. And one of the things that sort of astounded me about it is just how difficult it is to migrate like this in today's world. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as visas and papers and, and all the stress that this causes this family, Francois ultimately kind of ends up and I'm not spoiling anything because this is an undercurrent throughout the book. He, he ends up feeling homeless and it, it, really affects his feeling of worthiness in the world Mm -hmm. because he just feels like he doesn't belong anywhere. And he really craves that feeling. And Barbara, his wife, really doesn't know how to make that better. Um, Ultimately, it's just the story about their lives. If you're looking for a high adventure book or a twist or a mystery, there (laughs) is this one. (laughs) No, people live... They live their lives, and then they they move on to the next world. Mm-hmm. There are some secrets revealed, and she does that in an interesting way. Um, there's sort of little hints dropped throughout the book that there's an underlying um, difficulty in the parents' love story, who are the main characters of the book, but you really don't know what it is until the end. So that is one of the reveals. Um but in general, it's just about lives lived. Okay. Um, so I, it's beautifully written. I'm still thinking about it. Um, I did struggle with it a little bit, but all in all, I think it's worth it. I also have read an ARC, which means that this book may change a little bit mm. before it's published. So um, I, like, I, I think it's important to keep that in mind when yeah. you're reading something like this. Mm. So uh, This Strange, Eventful History, Claire Massoud, comes out in May, published by Norton. I think it's worth your time.
0: All right. Um, so the last one that I have um, is called 888, Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers. And it's written by Abraham Shane. <laughs> I'm Chain. sorry. Yeah. It's uh, a-
1: now, Melissa, this does not sound like something you would read.
0: No, it it's 100% something I would read. Mm-hmm. This was, like, catnip. Um, it was... Okay,
1: so I'm not taking the title on a literal level, then.
0: No, no. Well, it is sort of uh, literal, but um, it is, above all, um, like, a love letter to, like, Western pop culture of a certain okay. time period, like the 80s and 90s, and... Um, each chapter has like a playlist at the beginning, like three oh, this songs. Is your catnip, yes. um, yeah, it was a hundred percent my catnip. Um, and actually, this author was at the conference we were mm-hmm. just at, and I was like, "Please, please tell me that there's going to be a playlist for this book." And he was like, "Oh yeah, totally." Um, <laughs> so it is about young, and young is a first generation American. Um, his parents uh, have immigrated from China. Um, and so he's trying to navigate the world and wanting to be a part of like, he lives in New York and wanting to be a part of like Western culture, but also trying to remain true to Eastern traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he is especially interested in numerology and he finds meaning in numbers all over the place. And he like is very, very obsessed with that. Um, he has a really close and cute relationship with his uncle and his uncle had kind of lived a traditional sort of life but has decided to just leave all that behind and he's like basically traveling all over the place and he writes letters to young from each place that he's at and sends him a photo and like random souvenirs and with each letter he's kind of like giving him a little piece of advice or... Well, that would be...
1: An, I would like an uncle like that. Yeah,
0: it's really sweet. Um, but one of the things that he's told Young and that Young kind of holds on to is that everyone gets seven great loves in their life. Uh, yes, I remember you talking about this book now. And okay. so he, he's got that in his head and um, he's going to NYU mm-hmm. I'm um, working in this um, music comic shop um, it, it's, it's kind of a catch-all they've got dvds they've got all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff and so he meets a girl who comes in there and her name is arena and they have this cute banter and they start flirting and then they eventually start dating and she becomes this like great love of his life. Right. But she's number six. Mm. And so it goes back and forth and it goes from the past. And he talks about his, each of his loves and what they meant to him and all. And, um, it's just super sweet. Um, and it start like the first love of his life is when he's in elementary school and mm-hmm. he's, you know, and, um, so basically it's, him trying to figure out if he waits for number seven or if number six is is, is where it is. Um, it's just yeah, it was a hundred percent a just like a window of that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, just all the pop culture references. It, yeah, so a really nice diversion from. Yeah, it was it was just a, a very sweet story. Young is just adorable. He's got these two best friends, um, and his. I don't remember the guy's name, but he's Indian, and then his other friend Gina is, um, I think, Filipino, mm-hmm. um, and so they. It's a very diverse cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah loved everything about it. So Aww. if you're if you're of like my age, like um, the end of Gen X, mm-hmm. this will this will be like right right, right in your, your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when he was in. Um, elementary school and middle school he had posters on his wall of Tiffany and Debbie Gibson and was just <laughs> like you know yeah just
1: yes a little past I'm I'm the beginning of Gen X so I have all those uh, David Lee Roth sort of <laughs> late 70s early 80s memories right right yes but um it it sounds wonderful I um been reading the house in the cerulean sea and love that book i know that's (laughs) also one of those books that just makes you feel so good it's Mm -hmm. just a nice diversion from everyday life which i really appreciate yeah
0: i I always say that book is like reading a hug Mm -hmm. like it just makes you feel so like cozy
1: i know i just um everybody should be able to be a bellman (laughs) if they want to be it's It's true (laughs) Um, it's true (laughs) but i digress um so i'm gonna go back to something murdery and mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, the It Girl by Ruth Ware. And um, I know Melissa has maybe talked about this one. I don't know that I've past. talked about
0: this one. I, I know I went into a Ruth Ware deep dive in the past. Yes. But, um, yeah, I don't know that I've talked about this one because it, it's newer.
1: It's newer. We both read it. Um, I recently read it for our mystery book group and um, it did, it was a good discussion. Um, and Ruth Ware was coming or has come now for the book festival and um, what what again what a delightful human being she mm-hmm. is and so initially I enjoyed this book the mystery was good but want the the main character in the book was a little whiny for me
0: a lot whiny <laughs> yeah
1: so really kind of had some trouble with this main character even though the writing was great this the twist at the end was interesting you know I didn't guess it the whole way along I kind of, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I am not great at guessing it. I just like to read along and see what happens. But um but it did drop some pretty big. You you can kind of see where it's going. There's some misdirection, but ultimately,
0: well, I so I wasn't there for her talk because mm. I had the covid. Um but um one of our booksellers was talking to me about her talk and was saying that one of the things that Ruth Ware said is that she doesn't want anyone to be super surprised at the end of her book. She right. likes to make it so that you could figure it out, like right. that there are... Actual clues throughout the book, and I appreciate that when I'm reading yeah. a mystery because if the end of it comes out of completely left field and there is no way that I could have ever possibly guessed who did it, it makes me angry. Well, and it makes the book less um, believable because yeah. life
1: works where there are clues where you can see how it's gonna come out. Well, the one thing about her talk that made me appreciate. Um, the main character, Hannah. The book itself is about a group of friends at Oxford. Um, The main character is Hannah Jones. She is not a wealthy student. She gets in because of her intellectual talents. Um, She is paired um, in a suite with this ultra-rich girl, April, who is the it girl. April is just...
0: she's She's rich she's dramatic she's She's, yeah all the things that you would think of very
1: smart um and kind of a manipulative um not so great person it turns out yeah
0: more than kind of manipulative
1: (laughs) a lot yeah so she likes everyone to dance to her tune um and hannah just falls in her thrall immediately like hannah is sort of a blank slate anyway, I would say, and unsure about who she is. And so when she meets April, she just jumps into this relationship. Like I have found someone I can follow now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we end up going through the whole book, just go looking back in time. So ultimately, and this happens in the very beginning of the book, um, April, we meet Hannah when she's working in a bookshop. She, um, actually dropped out of Oxford because of the murder and the psychological damage that she felt. Um, she has a hard time making choices in her life. She um, she is married, and she's pregnant at this point, and she's married to Will de Chastain, who was one of her original friends in this Oxford group. But she's just... She's just traumatized and unsure about everything in her life. And she really is kind of an annoying character to be inside her head. Like, you don't enjoy her self-doubt, her constant self-doubt.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, the like, the whole conceit of the story is that um, they be- there's a reporter mm-hmm. who believes that the guy who went to jail for the crime did not actually kill April. Right. And so he contacts Hannah. Right. And wants to speak to her about it. And that starts her doubting everything. And she begins to kind of
1: rethink yeah. the whole thing yeah. and look up old acquaintances, mm-hmm. ultimately go back to Oxford and try to relive the events because there's some holes in her memory mm-hmm. about them. And, um, and then we get to the twisty end of it, so yep. I don't want to give too much away, but it was interesting listening, listening to Ruth Ware because her entire talk was about having imposter syndrome <laughs> and about how you know even though she's been invited to give the keynote address for this book festival, she still doubts like that she should be in doing this at all and that she still doubts herself and that imposter syndrome is a real thing and especially for women and the more she talked the more you realized that there was a little bit of her in this character just like not believing that you're at this point in life and doubting everything you do um so I found that interesting
0: Mm. Um, it still doesn't make me uh, enjoy Hannah as a character because she just really was the worst and it was hard because yeah. it's like there have been bad people in all of her other books right. like there are some terrible people in her books but it I didn't have such a visceral reaction to any of them in the way that I did with Hannah because she was just so unable to function as a human yes
1: she was an extremely frustrating character and In all her other books, you get frustrated with the characters because they make poor life choices, Mm -hmm. but they do make life choices. Yeah, she makes
0: no choices. She lets life happen to her.
1: Until you finally get someone in that sort of propels her forward. Um, And in the end, she does take more agency Mm -hmm. in her life, Um, but the things that she tries to stand up for for herself are not the things she should be standing up for. She has some um potential problems with her pregnancy and she goes off on the doctor about this for something that she should just be going oh yeah I I need to take but then the other things in her life she's just helpless with yeah. so um I would recommend this book yeah
0: it's it's very good it's a good mystery it's just she's a difficult character and I think I listened to it I think I did you too. listened to it yeah. as well and the narration of her I mean, the person did a good job, but it's hard to listen to her. They put
1: a little tremble in her voice all the time. So you feel like, um, I don't know how many of you have dealt with depression, but that sort of urge to cry for no reason all the time. Yeah. You feel like she's just there.
0: Yeah, she's on the edge Edge. of that constantly.
1: And so, yes, it it makes it hard to be empathetic with her. You don't want anything bad to happen to her, but you just want her to... Take control of her life. So The It Girl by Ruth Ware, (laughs) which um, I definitely recommend, and especially after hearing her talk, um, and I'm not really doing her talk justice, but she was funny, but she was also very self-deprecating and kind of, I'm not sure why I'm here, but it's so nice to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Yes.
0: Well, so one of the other ones that uh, we wanted to talk about, Jessica and I both read for our Tequila Mockingbird book club, which for those of you who might be joining us new, that's our book club where we read classics. Um, So we read Decline and Fall by Evelyn Wall. Mm -hmm. Um, This was my first... Evelyn Wall. I had not read anything else by him. It's his first novel. um, Yes. And
1: although I'm going to interrupt and say I noticed a stack of specially ordered Evelyn Wall, which I'm delighted about because I love Evelyn Wall.
0: Well, I so our discussion of this book was kind of uneven. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't necessarily love it. But there were things about it that were interesting. I thought a lot of it was super funny. Um, there were some things that were a little problematic, but it is a book of its time and it, it is a book of its time. Yeah. The
1: language that is used, some people may find offensive, but it was written in a time when this was the language that was used.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I actually very much enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm gonna, I, I'm, my, my goal is to work through Agatha Christie's books and Evelyn Waugh's books. Um, because I've read some Agatha Christie, but I haven't gone into deep. Day. Anyway, I digress. Um, so this, <laughs> this book is the story of Paul Pennyfeather and his misfortunes. His, if you yeah, will. His decline and fall, <laughs> as it were. Um, it's a satire of English boarding school life in like the twenties. Um and and academic life and
1: the Nobility of mm-hmm. the time, yeah, and the difference of how people are treated, um, and the absurdity of a lot of these, yeah. things
0: So Paul is not from a well-to-do family. Um, his actually his father is dead, and mm-hmm. he gets an allowance um, through someone who um, manages the estate. I guess is the best way to say it. But he's at school at Oxford and he's walking across... Well, he's
1: studying to be a priest. Yes, he's
0: walking across campus one night, and this group... The the
1: Bollinger Club.
0: Yeah, um, they have gotten um, deep in their cups,
1: and mm -hmm. they're causing all kinds of problems in his
0: college, which is Scone College. Scone College, yes. (laughs) Um, So they... A couple members of this club run up to him, and... He's wearing a tie. Yes, that it m- makes them think he's... Trying to impersonate, impersonate them. ...a Bollinger man, but it's yeah. just his high school club yeah. tie. So they steal his clothes. mm mm-hmm. Poor Nugget.
1: Well, his pants. Yes, specifically.
0: Poor, poor, poor Nugget is found on campus, pantsless, and <laughs> is expelled from school because he was... Um, indecent
1: mm-hmm. so it's all his fault mm-hmm. nobody from the bollinger club gets in trouble at all no, no 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 and um he has to figure out and then because
0: because he was indecent mm-hmm. um the executor of his father's estate decides that he's not going to give him his allowance he does not deserve it and he's gonna have to fend for himself. Fend for himself so uh, And so he gets a job as mm-hmm. a teacher at a boarding school in Wales. Yes. And this is not an Tr- upper tier boarding school. This is kind of like where you put the second son if the second son has gotten into a lot of trouble and you really have no place else to put him yeah. kind of school. Mm-hmm. So Paul gets a job there. Um, He's supposed to teach uh, organ lessons to a child. He's never touched an organ before, but that's Mm -hmm. okay. He'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, Uh, he's a smart guy. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so
1: he, through this child that he is teaching the organ to, um, with mixed success
0: (laughs) or no success success as it were. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, he ends up meeting the mother of this child Mm -hmm. who is an interesting person in her own right. And, um, she invites him to come home and tutor the child over the holidays mm-hmm. because the child is um, not a great pupil, one nope. would say. And um <laughs> and it goes from there.
0: Yeah. They I mean, it's basically Paul's interaction with all of these weird yeah, people that he comes in contact with and it's like he's just completely clueless to the big picture yeah he's incredibly naive Mm -hmm. and again it's like life is sort of happening to him he's not sort of actively making decisions in his own life and the ones that he does actively make go terribly wrong wrong for for him Ultimately, he just needs
1: to sit back and watch. He does not need to participate in the game. <laughs> yeah, is sort of where we end
0: up. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's there. Just some ridiculous situations, some ridiculous characters. Um, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, it, <laughs> it's it's a great
1: farce. I mean, if you like British humor, humor, if <laughs> you like British humor, yes, um, I think you'll really enjoy. Yeah, this, I mean, it is
0: very British. It <laughs> is very British.
1: It is the first. Um, I I think that. He grows through his writing, but um, and it is it is his comedy, so it's nothing like Brideshead Revisited or some of his other more serious books. Um, but it is a delightful romp through um, just the weirdness of society at that time. <laughs> it's true. Okay,
0: so speed round. What are you reading right now, Jessica? I am reading
1: right now. I knew you were going to ask me that, and yet. Right. Um I am reading And Only to Deceive. And Only to Deceive. Yes, by Tasha Alexander. Mm -hmm. It's for our mystery book group. Um, It is delightful. It takes place in Victoria, Victorian England. (coughs) And um, (coughs) it's a series of mysteries. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first one. And um, our main character is a recent, a young widow. Okay. So that gives her some agency in the world. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So right now I am reading The Jane Austen Project by Kathleen Flynn, which was the book for our Jane Austen Mm -hmm. Book Club this month that I missed because, again, the COVID. I Um, I just finished it and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, so it is two um, researchers are sent back in time Mm -hmm. to um, meet Jane Austen and to get from her the... Finish book of the Watsons um, and also letters mm-hmm. and they're trying to diagnose what ailment she actually had. So it is a uh, male and female mm-hmm. um, and they're posing as brother and sister. He's posing as a doctor and they are They say they're from Jamaica where they had um, a plantation, but they have um, sold it and freed the slaves. And now they're coming to England and are looking for a place to live. And so they're ingratiating themselves into Jane Austen's world Mm -hmm. through her brother, Henry. Yeah, Um, it's. Really fun so far. Actually, it's I think it's really interesting. Um, and I have about a hundred pages left.
1: Yeah, no, it's it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thoroughly
0: enjoyed that book. So, what are you reading for this month's challenge? Okay, so this month's challenge prompt is a book by a uh, author of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am reading Our Lady of Mysterious Ailments by T. L. Huchu. Um, it's the second in a series called the Edinburgh Nights, mm-hmm. and it is a fantasy series. Um, the author is from Zimbabwe originally and he's lived in Scotland um, for his adult life. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a blend of Zimbabwean and Scottish uh, mythology <laughs> and culture and and um, it involves ghost talking and sort of magical schools. It's really good. Super interesting. Um, those are two, two things that you wouldn't think would no. go together, but they do. And it's, I, I'm really looking forward to reading the second book cause I love the first one. Ah, well I am reading or I'm going to read. I have not read yet. Come and get it
1: which Melissa can tell you more about because they just did that for the FOMA book group.
0: Yeah, well, I actually read it as a super, super mm-hmm. early advanced reader copy. Um, Kylie Reed is the author well, of... amazing. Yeah, of such a fun age. Um, mm-hmm. And it is the story of... Um, an RA at a college and this visiting professor in in Arkansas, in Arkansas. Yeah. mm -hmm. The university of Arkansas, the Razorbacks. Yes. Which is why there's a pig on the cover. Um, but, uh, it is as Kylie does, um, a book about, um, class issues, power dynamics, consent, Mm -hmm. race. There's a lot happening in this book. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, and that is,
1: that is my book for the month. All, all right.
0: right. Well, we did it. We did it. Um, so anyway, I hope you all are well and reading all of the books. And if you're participating in our reading challenge, mm-hmm. be sure to tag us and share what you're reading.
1: Yes, and um, have a lovely month. And we look forward to talking to you again. All right. Bye. Bye.